listening to after school detention here on open lines radio so come on what'd you do you can tell me what'd you do to deserve after school detention that's all right you don't have to tell me i don't care it doesn't matter all that matters is you're here we're gonna listen to edward abbey uh if you don't know who edward abbey is he's a uh, a writer an environmentalist he wrote two of my favorite books uh, the monkey wrench gang and desert solitaire as well as a bunch of others This is an interview he did with uh, Eric Temple in 1982 for the Phoenix PBS station out there. And I think you're going to hear a lot of parallels to 2019. So sit back, put your thinking caps on for once. This is detention. It's not a party. And uh, 
Have a listen to Edward Abbey. What is your role? My role? I see myself as an entertainer. I'm trying to write good books, make people laugh, make them cry, provoke them, make them angry, make them think if possible, to get a reaction, give pleasure. I do not see myself as a social commentator because I don't look at any of these things we've been talking about hard enough. I'm not really skilled at it, but I like to write, I like to throw words around. And if I can give pleasure in that form, I feel I'm earning my pay. I have no desire to be a leader of any kind. I <clears throat> dislike being called a guru. I think every man should be his own guru, every woman her own gourette. We should all be leaders. I'm an anarchist. My father was a wobbly, IWW. We should all take charge. We should all be leaders, neither followers nor rulers. Make our own decisions. I'm really a Democrat, small d. I really believe in democracy, direct democracy. I think every issue of any importance should be decided by popular referendum. It's nice to see these petitions get on the ballot. The process should be made much easier. We could do away with a bunch of morons and moral dwarfs up in the state legislature and decide state policy by public referendum. I would love to see that. I think the majority of the people in this state and in this country are almost always far ahead of those who call themselves the authorities or presume to be our leaders. They're not leaders. When was the last leader we had in this country? Thomas Jefferson, perhaps. Anyway, my role is just to write books. I'm not really trying to do anything more than that. Write some good books, if possible, and enjoy my life and the, the lives of my family and friends and my enemies. I enjoy their, their problems, too. What do you see as being the major environmental problems in Arizona today? Progress, development, growth, industry, everything that the politicians and the Chamber of Commerce loves, I'm against. I think it's gradually destroying Arizona. And I don't think it'll survive. I think we're using up our resource base, especially water, much faster than it can ever be replaced. And Therefore, unless some sort of technological miracle saves us, I imagine that in a century or two, that Phoenix and Tucson will be small towns again and probably very nice places to live. Arizona seems to be committed to coal and nuclear power. Is that uh, without drawback? 
Well, the disadvantages of coal are pretty obvious. The burning of coal pollutes the air. Strip mining destroys a lot of good rangeland, depriving ranchers and Navajos of their uh, resource base. And coal, too, is just a temporary fix, even though we may have an awful lot of it in this country. It, it too, will be used up sooner or later. So if we want to, if we want to create a long-term civilization here in the West or North America, I think eventually we're going to have to rely on renewable resources like sunlight and grass and trees surface water, running water. But I realize that uh, this is a utopian kind of thinking. Most people in Arizona or in the United States, for that matter, don't take it seriously. The people who run this country assume that technology and science will rescue us each time from our foolishness. And so far, it might appear that they've been right. Or if we burn up the planet, then we'll, uh, I suppose, uh, try to export the human species into outer space, space colonies, colonize the moon, Venus, Mars. But that's what I would call real crackpot thinking, uh, scientific utopianism. And uranium, you mentioned that, didn't you? Mm -hmm. I guess if we complete the Palo Verde nuclear plant, we're going to have the biggest one in the world, is that right? That's what they say. I find nuclear power very unappealing, first of all, because it's undemocratic. It centralizes control. It puts our lives and uh, livelihoods in the hands of a very few people. And, uh, probably one big utility, one big public agency, over which the public has very little control. And of course, there are the well-known dangers of it. There's no guarantee that the, these nuclear plants won't break down and melt down and maybe force the evacuation of the entire city of Phoenix someday. That is a very expensive form of power. I don't know the economic details, but it may turn out to cost more than, it, than it's worth. It's simply in dollars. Nuclear power has been a heavily subsidized industry so far, subsidized by us taxpayers in one way or another. And that's how it survived as long as it has. I doubt if nuclear power would last another 10 years if we had a truly free market economy. It's expensive, it's dangerous, and it's undemocratic. And uranium mining, uh, of course, also destroys rangeland again, in some cases uh, 
wilderness. And the problem of what to do with the nuclear waste has still not been solved. Nobody wants these nuclear waste dumps in their own state. What do you see the future of environmentalism being? Well, I think it has a very good future. The worse the environment gets, the more popular environmentalism becomes. People like James Watt do us a lot of good to really uh, spur interest in environmentalism and boost the membership in all sorts of conservation organizations. People always get uh, concerned about things that they think they're in danger of losing. So it often comes too late. I think America has uh, led the way in this field. We are probably the most environmentally conscious big industrial nation on Earth. Getting the parks established a little over a century ago First nation on earth to do that. Good thing we did, too. I'm not much of a prophet. I suppose the, the conflict between conservation and development will grow more intense each year with the pressure of a growing population and um, economic demands. That's all I can see in the future. It's more conflict, more arguments, more shouting. Possibly, if the economy stays in a recession long enough, a majority of us will gradually adapt to a simpler, a more frugal way of life and not make such enormous demands on the land and the air and the water. But there's so many of us in the United States already, 240 million, I guess, and still growing. The rate of growth is supposed to be slowing down, but the total keeps growing. When I was a kid in school, we were taught that the population of the United States was 120 million as if that were a fixed, permanent figure. And now, it's apparently just about doubled. And all of us want to maintain our American standards of living. We like having these nice little houses and electricity, running water, cars and pickup trucks and motorboats. It's hard to give up all these technological toys We wouldn't have to give them up, in fact, if we had a small population. I guess I'm sort of a nut on the subject of planned parenthood. I think we should plan it a lot more intensively. I'd be in favor of revising the, the income tax structures in such a way as to reward single people, childless couples, Penalize uh, heavy breeders. Make people who have say, more than one or two children pay extra taxes instead of less. Make that a national public policy. You know. Encourage small families. 
And that means cutting off immigration too, restricting it to a very low level. These are very delicate, touchy subjects, especially here in Arizona, and that's why I bring it up. I don't like to talk about it. it makes me sound like a racist and an elitist. But I talk about it because apparently no one else will. The politicians won't touch the subject, of course. The Chamber of Commerce doesn't care. They welcome a growing population because that means more demands for more goods, more intensive exploitation of the land and the water and the air, strip mining the ranges and clear cutting the forests and damming the last of our free flowing rivers. But I think if we're going to have a decent future in this country, and I'm speaking only of the United States, the rest of the world is, most of it is in much worse shape than we are. If our children and grandchildren are going to have a decent life in this country, we're going to have to reduce the total population gradually by attrition, by letting old farts like me die off. by cutting off uh, immigration, especially illegal immigration, and by gradually adopting, uh, adapting to a simpler lifestyle, doing without more things, giving up a lot of our gadgets, or making them so expensive that, that you have to choose. Uh, you can have a car or a pickup truck, but not both. That's kind of ridiculous. Things like that. A gradual I wouldn't call it a reducing of the standard of living, but a simplifying of our way of living. And I think it'd be good for us. It'd be good for us to do more walking or to ride bicycles to work and to school instead of driving a car. These are old ideas, of course. People have been preaching them now for 10 or 15 years. I don't have any new ideas on the subject. I just repeat the old ones. I think there's a great popular support for these basic ideas, great popular support for environmentalism. All the polls, all the elections seem to suggest that most of the voters want uh, clean air. They want the clean air laws not only maintained but strengthened. Most people seem to want our wilderness areas preserved. Most people apparently would prefer to live a more outdoorsy sort of life, to get away from the big cities and even the suburbs now. Apparently more and more people are moving back to small towns or even to farms if they can manage it. So I think environmentalism has popular support, has majority support, but we don't have the money, we don't have the power to translate that popular support into political action, or at least not into enough political action. Power still lies in the hands of uh, corporations, and those with uh, lots of money to throw around. Some of your books speak of environmental sabotage. Is that a legitimate option? Well, I'm not going to advocate sabotage 
publicly on the federal airwaves here. But um, I think there probably will be more of it if the conflict between conservation and development becomes more intense. And if the politicians fail to follow the popular will on the matter, I think a lot of people are going to become very angry and they're going to resort to illegal methods to try to slow down the destruction of our natural resources, our wilderness, our forests, mountains, deserts. What will that will lead to, I hate to think. If the conflict becomes violent and physical, then I'm pretty sure the environmentalists will mostly end up in prison or shot dead in their tracks. So I hope we can save what's left of Arizona and the United States by legal political means. And I still think we can. I still vote in elections, even when there doesn't seem to be much to vote for or against, when there's not much choice. I think if enough people get sufficiently concerned, why well, we can still make changes, the needed changes in this country by political methods. God, I hope so. What are some positive things that are happening today? All the arts are thriving. Music, literature, dance, sculpture, painting. Seems to me that in this country and in most of the world, there's a great burgeoning artistic activity. I think modern technology has created this sort of world culture, which may in some ways actually be bringing people together or creating an international culture. And that may turn out to be a good thing. Nuclear power has made war less appealing than ever. Hydrogen bomb takes all the fun out of war. I think there's an, an enormous amount of goodwill and good feeling being shared around the world. People visiting one another, visiting one another's countries and lands and getting to learn something about each other. But this is in a race against the other catastrophe of overpopulation, war, hunger, civil war, revolution. Not that I'm against revolutions. I think many of them are necessary and therefore justified. I'm not anti-technology either. I like all our gadgets and toys. It's just the scale of them, the quantity of them that I think is doing us harm. As I've written, I'm very much in favor of space exploration, for example. I think that's a great adventure for humanity insofar as we can all share in it. I think it should be supported by voluntary contributions only, though. 
not by compulsory taxation under threat of prison and death. The Sierra Club gets by on voluntary contributions and so should uh, NASA and moonshots and space travel. Let those things be financed by people who are willing to support them. Good things, trying to think of good things. <laughs> Don't get good cigars. I'm impressed by the young people that are growing up around us. They seem to be healthier and more athletic and brighter than ever. At least the ones who haven't been lobotomized by too much television and Newsweek and Time. I suppose for every danger in the contemporary world you can find a corresponding avenue of hope, an opportunity for true progress as opposed to mere quantitative growth. Probably never before in human history have so many been so keenly aware of what our troubles are and what causes them and what can be done about them. I think the knowledge and the goodwill is here, present in most people. Our problem is how to translate that knowledge and goodwill and technique into into the creation of a true civilization, which I do not think we have. As Kurt Vonnegut says, we're still living in the Dark Ages. I agree with that. But we're still struggling to get out of the Dark Ages into some kind of enlightenment. I think that's possible. It still might happen before Disaster solves all our problems for us. If we don't solve our troubles by reason and goodwill and generosity and uh, mutual aid and sharing, then I think our troubles, national and international, will be solved in the usual way by catastrophe, by war, famine, plague. Now, what was the fourth horseman? Death. And anyway, even if the human race wipes itself off the face of the earth, as Jonathan Shell thinks it might in his book, I still think that life will survive, even in the, if only in the most rudimentary form. I'm in favor of all kinds of life, even bacteria, germs, bugs, insects, scorpions, I don't think that uh, anything humanity can do will destroy all life on Earth. And as long as there's life in any shape, why, well, there's still hope of some kind. In fact, life is good in itself. And if we humans are stupid enough to destroy our own lives, that doesn't necessarily 
take all the goodness out of the lives of other creatures that might, and I hope will, survive us. I think Earth would still be a decent place if there were no humans on it at all. I don't know exactly what kind of consciousness a dog has or the wildlife or the birds we see out here, but uh, my impression is that on the whole, they seem to enjoy their existence. I think it's worthwhile for its own sake. They're not dreaming of heaven or some technological utopia. They just find the ordinary daily business of life, breeding and nest building and finding food, a good in itself. And I agree with them. I think the hawks are right and the rattlesnakes. Keep going. Continuity. I don't have any uh, hope of personal immortality, but I'm glad I've had children, and that uh, therefore I have a stake in the continuity of human life. I think it's well worthwhile just keeping the game going, whether it leads to any greater end or not. What does the future hold for you? Oh. Write a few more good books and die. I've done almost everything I ever wanted to do. Traveled over half the world. Enjoyed the love of some good women and the friendship of some good men. Had some adventures. Wrote a few books that I'm still pleased with. Had a pretty soft, easy life. Most of my life I've been able to do almost exactly what I wanted to do. I haven't had to turn my hand at honest labor for about 10 years. And I never did believe in working for more than six months out of a year at any job I didn't like. So I'll write a few more books, explore a few more places. I'd like to go to Australia again. I'd like to see something of Africa. I've got a teenage daughter. I've got to get her through the agonies of adolescence before I can shunt her off to college. <laughs> I'd like to grow wise and venerable, but I haven't figured out how to do it yet.
Touch you twice. Oh, oh.